A new year always gets many people thinking, doesn't it? We have a lot of thoughts about the new year because a new year means the old year is gone and the struggles and the difficulties and the trials we had of the old year is gone and maybe this year is going to be new. Maybe it's going to be better. And we think about these new beginnings and some of the things that we would like to do. We think of things that we don't like in our life as well, don't we? We think about things that we do not like and we say, I want to make these changes this year. So we'll do things like make a New Year's resolution. And I'm sure that all of us at one point or another in our life have made New Year's resolutions. Some of us might have said, you know what? Those don't work. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> so, but at the end of the day, we all understand a resolution, a New Year's resolution and a time of change. Some might walk into the new year determined to lose weight. Some might decide that they want to quit smoking. Some might decide to start a new venture. Some might decide to restore a relationship and the list just goes on and on. We all have things that we would like to see different in our life and we, and we have this list of things that we would like to change. And in these resolutions, many people forget that they even made them a few days after they've made them. You know, I go to the gym a couple of times, say, you know what, I had enough with that, my, my muscles are sore, I'll just let them relax and, and I'll just let them be easy for a while and then I'll go back at it and then we forget to go back at it. And next thing you know, we completely forgot our resolution. We're about things the way we've always done them. But as we cross over into the new year, by the way, that's the, uh, the title of my sermon today is Crossover because we're going to talk a lot about crossover today. As we cross over into the new year, let's take a moment and reflect about the times we have chosen to believe God and to walk into His great light. Do you remember that day? The day that you chose to allow Christ into your heart. You opened your heart to Him and said, Yes, Lord, I know you are the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way that my sin debt is ever going to be paid except through you. What a glorious day that was. Think about the magnitude of that day in your life and how it has eternally changed your future. Eternally, you'll never be the same because of that choice and that decision. For it was that day that we became children of God. When we believed, we became a child of God. It was that day that we died to our old way of living. We said there is a new way to live, there is a better way to live, and we died to the old way, and we were born anew. We are not better versions of our old self. We are new creations in Christ Jesus because we chose to believe. It is on that day that God opened our eyes and we have the light of God for the first time. It is that day that we were born again. We are His workmanship, God's workmanship. We live to serve Him. We are His workmanship. Just as the Apostle Paul stated in Ephesians 2.10, Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are the workmanship of God. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what purpose? We are His creation for what purpose? But to do good works. That's what He's called all of us into, is to do good works. 
And it's not like we have to figure these out. It's not like we have to figure out what he wants us to do because he already prepared what he wants us to do in advance. Before we were even born, God knew our purpose in this world. Do we understand that? That God knew our purpose before we were even born. Remember God telling David that I knew you before you were even formed in your mother's womb. I knew you before you were formed. How powerful is that? We are children of God. We are now servants of the Most High God. We are His people. His people. We do not belong to this world. We do not belong to the dark side of things. We belong to the light of the world, Jesus Christ. That's who we belong to. We are His people. And it all began with what? It began with trust. Us trusting God. It all began by believing that Jesus is the one who frees us from sins once for all. Because brothers and sisters, every one of us in this room are sinners. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. We sin. We have sinned. We will sin again. But God has made it possible for us to overcome sin. He has made it possible for us to turn from our temptations through Jesus Christ. And it is because we sin, it's because we have that fallen nature of Adam and Eve, that we need a Savior, Jesus Christ. That's why we need Him. Because we are sinners and we fall short. The gospel message always has to start with you sin. You are a sinner. You are fallen from God. And the only way to repair that is through the blood and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Through His blood. Through Him dying at the cross. That's how we have salvation. He once for all paid our sin debt in full. There's no longer the need for the sacrifice of bulls and goats. Because Jesus became that sacrifice. He became that sweet aroma to the Father in heaven that covered our sins, washed them away. And as believers, we know that there is no halfway in believing and serving Christ. You are either all in or you're not. You either belong to God fully and completely or you do not. There's no in between. See, it is because we believe that we now have the power in the Holy Spirit to overcome our temptation not to sin. And by God's power, we will flee from the very temptation of sin. We will flee from our temptations because of God's power. Not because of anything that's within us, but because Christ lives in you and He is moving in you. It is because we trust God in all that we do. And as believers, we know, again, that there is no halfway. There's no middle ground with God. You either belong to God, or you belong to the darkness of the world. You belong to the devil. You either serve God, or you serve the devil. There is no in-between. Let's take a moment and look at what Jesus said to the church of Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3. Let's go to Revelation chapter 3, beginning with verse 15, and see what Jesus said to the church of Laodicea about 
neither being hot nor cold. Let's see what Jesus has to say. And you can see that these are the words of God, not the words of David, but the words of God. I know your deeds, that you are neither a cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Brothers and sisters, we could gain the whole world and be pitiful, blind, and naked before God. Because what is it to gain the whole world, yet lose your own soul? What is it for the blip of time that we're here on this earth to have everything you want, to die and spend eternity separated from God in hell? Verse 18, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I re love, I rebuke and discipline. Those who I love, I rebuke and discipline. Brothers and sisters, God does rebuke us. He does discipline us. If he has not ever disciplined you or rebuked you, you are not his child. It's that simple. It's that simple. The scripture says right here, Jesus says, if I love you, I will correct you. If I love you, I will correct you. Verse 19, those whom I loved, I rebuked and disciplined, so be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Brothers and sisters, you see, God is not looking for someone lukewarm. You're either all in or you're all out. And, this, and, the, and the thing is, you get to choose. God isn't going to force your hand. You get to choose to serve him or you get to choose to serve the devil. There's no in-between. God is not looking for lukewarm Christians. We are either devoted to him and fully committed to his work or we are not. See, this is not me speaking. This is Jesus speaking in the book of Revelation to the church of Laodicea. Brothers and sisters, this message is for all of us. It's for all of us. So when we cross over from darkness to light, it is a complete crossover, a complete change. Like I said a moment ago, it's not that you're a better version of who you were, you now are completely different. You are completely a new creation, new in Jesus Christ, new in Him. We are either His or we're not. There's no compromise. See, God has not changed. God will not change. And we should be thankful that God doesn't change. We should be thankful for that, that He doesn't change. Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. Yesterday, today, and forever. forever. See, brothers and sisters, God has always been good, and He always will be good. We can be thankful for that, but we should also be fearful for that. Amen. Because if you are not good, 
and He is good, we got a problem. And the only way we can become good is through the blood of Jesus Christ, through His blood and His blood alone. God is good beyond measure. See, God is so good, we can't even comprehend how good He is. Just imagine the greatest human being you've ever seen on this earth, aside from Jesus Christ. And God is so much more, so much better. He gave you life. He's giving you life right now. The very next breath you have is because God gave it to you. But because God remains the same, we know He will bring to completion the things that He has laid in motion. The things that He put in motion, He will bring it to completion. We can count on it. We can count on it because God is good. Let's take a look at another crossover that took a place in the Old Testament. As we cross over into a new year, let's look at Israel crossing over into the Promised Land with Joshua. Remember, they had the opportunity to cross over the Jordan into the Promised Land 40 years earlier. And any of us who remember that story, that, uh, there, was a, there were a team of scouts sent into the Promised Land to investigate the Promised Land, and they found that the place was filled with milk and honey, basically saying that it is a lush land, a land that is going to more than provide for us. But there was a problem, wasn't there? They saw giants and they got afraid. They thought the giants were greater than God. And they were afraid. There were two people who were not afraid in that whole party. It was Caleb and it was Joshua. And the only two people in that party that crossed over into the Promised Land was Caleb and Joshua. Because they trusted God. They depended on Him. What happened to Israel? What happened to them? Everyone who was older than 20 years old died before they got to cross over into the Promised Land. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years because of their dis disobedience and their distrust. Their lack of trust of God caused them to have to wander in the, in the wilderness for 40 years. Because of what? Because of their lack of trust. Not because of God's that God's goodness has changed. God's goodness has always been the same, but because of their lack of trust. They rather believe what they saw with their eyes than believe the power of God. And how many times did they see the power of God? How many times? They saw the power of God so many times while they were in Egypt. They saw the power of God when they crossed over on dry land and how God closed in the waters on those who were pursuing them. They saw the hand of God in so many ways and yet chose to believe the giants were greater than God. But now... God guided Joshua with specific instructions to bring the people into Israel, into the promised land. He is bringing them in to the promised land. So let's take a look at Joshua chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. Joshua chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. And let's read through the story 
um, of the uh, early journey as they start to approach the promised land. Beginning with verse 1, early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, who are Levites, carrying it, you, who are, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the ark, and do not go near it. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priests, Take up the ark of the covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so that they may know I am with you as I was with Moses. God is already preparing them to know that they have a leader that they can count on, and that God is with them, giving them the strength to do the things that they need to do. In verse 8, Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edges of the Jordan waters, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. Notice Joshua is telling them to listen to the words of the Lord. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gershites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. See, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will Go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the, preach, as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan. And when they do that, its waters flowing downstream, it will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the ark of the covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and touched their feet at the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water was flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, and it was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. And I have to tell you, I just now discovered something in that scripture as I was reading it. About the waters are risen higher during harvest than any other time. God never seems to take us to do something when it's easy, does he? He doesn't have us doing something when it's easy. He wants us to trust him. The waters were at their highest level, asking them to really have faith and step into the water, knowing that God is going to separate the water so they can cross on dry land. 
There is nothing more powerful than our God. And I just now discovered that just now as we were reading. It just now, my eyes were open to that. It is awesome. God is in control all of the time. So let's take a look at three things that we need to do to remain faithful to God. Three things we do to remain faithful as we cross over into the new year and as we continue to remain faithful to God and trust Him and Him alone for our salvation. And the very first thing that we do to remain faithful is to ensure that our goals, our life goals, the goals that we have are in alignment with God's purpose for your life. Your goals need to be in alignment with God's purpose for your life. Let's again take a quick look at Joshua 3.1. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they, were cam- where they camped before crossing. They moved out early in the morning. See, one of the things that we need to do as believers when God asks us to do something is to take action. Just do it. That is a Nike slogan, just do it. But brothers and sisters, in the Christian life, when God tells you to do something, just do it. Don't wait for tomorrow. Don't wait for tomorrow to do the work of God. Take action today. For today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow, today. So take action today. Just as Joseph or Joshua got up early in the morning and started the journey before him, we must take action and step out in faith and trust God. And trust Him in the deepest, heaviest storms that we've ever faced in our life. Step out and trust God. It is time to stop talking about what we're going to do. It's time to stop talking about it and just do it. Brothers and sisters, there are, look, look at the LGBTQ. The LGBTQ. They have something they believe. They believe that it is okay to live the lifestyle that they live when the scriptures clearly teach that, they, that it is wrong. But what do they do to get their message out? They step out and they take action to make their message heard. Well, brothers and sisters, it's time for us to take America back. It's time for us to take our communities back. It's time for us to take action as believers and speak the truth. Why should we be silenced? Why should we be silenced? This is America. It's a free country. We have rights to stand up and go to share our truth and the faith of Jesus Christ. Our faith in Jesus Christ. We have the right and we need to do it. The only person that's holding you back from sharing the truth of the gospel message of Jesus Christ is you. It's not God. It's you. You're afraid. Why are you afraid? You're afraid just like Israel was afraid. Just like Israel was afraid to step into uh, the promised land and spent 40 years in the wilderness. Brothers and sisters, it's time for us not to be afraid as the Christian community anymore and to step out and speak the truth of the gospel message. People are lost out there. They're dying out there. They think that it's okay to be gay. And we're just being silent because we do not want to hurt their feelings. Brothers and sisters, it's time to hurt feelings. Was Jesus worried about hurting the feelings of the Pharisees when he called them a brood of vipers? Was he afraid? Or did he share the truth? Sometimes we just need to hear the truth. Sometimes that's what we got to do. 
Look at Joshua 3:15 and 16 again. Now the Jordan is at the flood stage during all the harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a great heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan. While the water flowing down the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, was completely cut off, the people crossed on dry land. When did the water stop flowing? It stopped flowing when they stepped out, when those priests stepped out in faith into the water. When they stepped out in faith into the water, the waters parted and they crossed on dry land. When they stepped out in trust, they trusted God. It is only when the priests went out in faith that the water stopped. And what do you think God wants from us? Do you think he wants more from us than he did Israel? He doesn't want less from us either. He wants our trust. There's nothing more that God wants from any one of us in this room than our trust. We give him our trust. We have salvation. Do you understand? You give him your trust and he gives you everything. He wants your trust. It's that simple. When we look at John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believed, stop at that word believed, and change it to trust. Because it's interchangeable. It's the same word, trust. It's not just a casual belief because even the demons believe and they shudder. Trust is what that word is. Trust. Dependence on God and God alone. And when we trust Him, we are saved. Brothers and sisters, sin, confession, acknowledgement that we need someone to save us and acknowledge that Christ shed His blood and died and rose again, that we have eternal life. It is only because of that that we have eternal life. Because we confessed our sins. We acknowledge that we are sinners. We come to the cross of Christ acknowledging that He is the way. There is no other name under heaven by which men can be saved except through Jesus Christ. God wants our trust. He wants our trust. There's nothing more that we can give God that He wants more than our trust. And when we step out in faith and take that leap, God is with you. He will not turn from you. He is with you. Remember Peter? Remember Peter when he was walking on water? When he was walking on water, his eyes were on Jesus. His eyes were on Jesus, and he was walking on water. A miracle, because I don't know anybody that I've ever seen in my entire life walk on water. But when did he sink? It's when he took his eyes off of Jesus and realized that he's walking on water. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He is the way. There's no other way. The second way we can remain faithful is to seek God's presence. To seek His presence. Joshua, in Joshua 3.3 said this, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. 
See, brothers and sisters, we need, just like they were here, we need to chase after God. We need to chase after Him. We need to seek Him. What is the very first thing that Jesus tells us to do when you're looking at the Beatitudes? What's the first thing? Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek. He didn't say casually look or as you're walking by. He said seek with everything you have. Seek the kingdom of God. We are called to run after the things of God. We should be passionate, passionate about the things of God. We shouldn't be passionate about this world, passionate about our possessions, passionate about the things that's going on around us. Brothers and sisters, my wife will tell you, and many of you may already know this, I love cars. I love cars. I enjoy cars. But I should be more passionate about God than I am a car. My passion should far exceed my passion for cars. My passion for God should far exceed my passion for cars. I also enjoy woodworking. And I know a couple people in here who do enjoy woodworking as well. We love creating things. But here's the thing. Your passion for God needs to be greater than your passion for creating things. Do you love football, basketball, NASCAR, knitting, sewing, quilting, working the farm, your job, you love your money? Brothers and sisters, whenever we have something that we put above God, we're wrong. We're not putting God first. Our passion doesn't exceed our passions for this world if we have a passion for something that's greater than our passion for God. We should always be more passionate about God than we are about anything in this world. Because anything that this world has to offer us, brothers and sisters, when you wake up in heaven or you wake up in hell, tell me what you brought with you. What did you bring with you? And many of us, most of us, know somebody who died. Do you remember taking, them taking anything with them? They don't even get to take the flesh with them. When they die, their flesh goes in the hole of the ground. And they're covered up with dirt. And their flesh becomes the dirt of the earth again. We do not take anything with us. Why would we pursue this world? Pursue the things of God, the things that are eternal. Let our passion for God be our light in life. Let our legacy with the world be that you are passionate about God. Be a God chaser, not a chaser of the world. Chase after God. That's where your eternal riches are. They're in God. Number three thing that we can do to remain faithful in God is to sanctify yourself and be clean. Sanctify yourself and be clean. That's what Joshua said in Joshua chapter, or chapter 3, verse 5. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things. Another word for consecration is sanctification. Sanctification. We are to be sanctified. And how are we sanctified today? We are sanctified today the same way that Israel was sanctified. 
We are sanctified by the truth, which is through the word of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. We have to get into the word, be fed the word of God. That's our nourishment, the word. The spirit will work that word in us and he will nourish us because we're putting the word in our heart. We are sanctified by the truth, which is through the word of God and Jesus Christ. Let's look at John chapter 17, verses 17 through 19. John 17, verses 17 through 19. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may truly be sanctified. See, brothers and sisters, Jesus, while he walked this earth, knew the importance of being sanctified. He sanctified himself by pouring himself into the word of God, by pouring himself into the relationship that he had with the Father. And we need to sanctify ourselves with the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ through the word, by getting into the word and getting the word into us. And brothers and sisters, when we get the word of God into us, when someone tries to teach us a false doctrine, someone like Joel Osteen or Joyce Meyer or Stephen Furtick or any of those guys, when they try to feed you the lie that they're trying to feed you, you'll know because you know the word of God. First Corinthians chapter six, verse 11 says this, and that is what some of you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Sanctified. We are sanctified and we are washed and justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, that's where our trust needs to be. Our trust doesn't need to be on a pastor or a teacher. Instead of paying attention to people who are on like TBN network, open your Bible and read it. You'll be far better off reading the scriptures than you will be listening to anybody on TBN. It's time the truth of the gospel is exposed and people who teach lies are exposed. It's time for that. We can't let these false teachers continue to infiltrate our church where the church loves the teacher of the false doctrine more than they love God. It's time that that stops in the church. And we as pastors, we as teachers have to start taking a stand and have to start speaking the truth and not be afraid that our congregation is going to leave. If they leave, they leave because they don't want to hear the truth. Let's get people in here who want to hear the truth of the gospel message of Jesus Christ. That's who we need in the church so the church can be effective and go out into the world and win souls. That's who we need in the church and in the body of Christ. We don't want to just fill pews with people. We want to fill pews with people who know God and can go out and do the work of God. That's what we need. See, we need to absorb the Word of God. We need to make the Word of God part of who we are. We are called to live by the precepts and principles found in Scriptures. By remaining faithful to the Word of God, we remain faithful to God. 
We will find it easier to overcome temptation and avoid sin. We will learn to flee from it when we are faced with it. So brothers and sisters, when, you are, when are you disobedient with God? You know when you are. Now today, beginning the beginning of the year, it is a great time for you, individually, each one of us. It's time for each one of us to do a spiritual checkup. We go to the doctor every year to get a physical checkup, don't we? We go to the doctor every year for a physical checkup. What's well, time for a spiritual checkup? And brothers and sisters, you ever hear me speak something that's false? Confront me. That's your job as the body of Christ, to confront me. And maybe if you misunderstand something that I say, confront me. Ask me. That's your job as the body of Christ. Do a spiritual checkup. Let's make adjustments to our lifestyle when our lifestyle is not in alignment with the message of Christ and with being holy in the presence of God. Brothers and sisters, the church for some reason today doesn't think that it needs to be holy. God has called the church into holiness. And all you have to do is just look through a few pages of scripture and you see that we are called to be holy and righteous and blameless before God. The way we are holy and blameless is through the blood of Jesus Christ. And it's only because of his blood that we are blameless. Let us repent for God, before God of our sins. Let us do this on a regular basis. Let us confess our sins. And let us ask God to change our heart till we do not want to live in that sin. And as God brought Israel into the promised land, we will be brought into his light. We will be set free from the bondage of sin. Amen. We will be set free from the bondage of sin. We will be truly free. We will be fit for kingdom work. Brothers and sisters, that's what we're called to is kingdom work and we will be fit for it. And we can faithfully complete the work that God has given us knowing we have been sanctified by the word and justified in our Lord Jesus Christ. And I just wanna say one more thing on this point is that every one of us in this room who are a believer, every one of us have been called to do the work of God. You don't believe me? Look at Ephesians 2.10. Look at Ephesians 2.10 and read it. You are called, you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared for you to do in advance. He's already prepared them for you. That's not just for the Old Testament saints. That's for you and me, for each one of us in here who are believers. And brothers and sisters, as we close, let's remember that Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years because of their disobedience to God. And if we think that God won't let us wander in the wilderness for 40 years, we're mistaken. If we think that God will not say to us, enough is enough, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to um, pursue you, brothers and sisters, he closed the door of Israel going into the promised land for 40 years. He closed that door. Don't let him close that door on you. Everyone has an opportunity to believe. 
but everyone doesn't have an opportunity every moment of their life to believe. At some point, God is going to let your heart be hardened just like he let the Pharaoh's heart be hardened. And if you don't believe me, look at the scriptures. The scriptures speak to this. This isn't David speaking. This is the scriptures teaching this. Open your eyes to the truth of the gospel message. And as we close, for some reason, we think that because Jesus died for our sins, that we don't have to obey. How can we possibly think, well, I can just have a license to sin. I could just do whatever I want to now. The Lord save me. If you think that way, you're not a believer. I'm telling you right now, if you think that way, you're not a believer. If you think that you can just do whatever you want to and there's no consequence to it, that's how a non-believer thinks. If you have Christ in you, Christ living in you, how can you possibly not live for Christ? The only way you can't live for Christ is if he isn't in you. If he isn't in you, then you can't live for him. But you can't not live for him if he is in you. We need to obey God. We need to listen to him. We need to be holy and set apart for the work of God. Matthew 4.17 says this, From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom is near. Repent, for the kingdom is near. He is calling the church to repentance. The disciples followed Jesus' instructions as they went to preach. And we can see that in Luke chapter 15, 10. Jesus said to them, in the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God because over one sinner who repents. Sorry, I jumped a little bit ahead. But there are over one sinner who repents, in heaven there is rejoicing. The angels are rejoicing because one sinner repented. And in Mark 6, 12, they went out, the disciples went out and preached to the people that they should repent. Brothers and sisters, when you go out this week and you're sharing the gospel message of Jesus Christ, and if you're not, start today. If you're not sharing the gospel message of Christ, start today. Tell the world they need to repent. That's what Jesus did. That's what the disciples did. That's what we need to do. That's what the apostle Paul did. That's what we need to do. We need to tell people you need to repent. And let God lead the conversation that you're about to have with them. We are called to teach people to repent. So you see, God did not just ask Israel to repent and follow God. He did not just call Israel to obedience and righteousness. He called all people to repent and obey. And just as there was consequence for Israel when they had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years, there will be consequence for us when we disobey. Make no mistake about it. We will have consequences if we choose to disobey God. But look what happens when we listen and follow God's direction. Just as he led Joshua and Israel into the promised land, he will lead us into our final reward one day when we cross over into the kingdom of heaven once and for all. 
Imagine the glory of that day when you cross over into the kingdom of heaven and Jesus said to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. Imagine the glory, the wonder of that day. All we can do is imagine it. We will be in his presence for all eternity because we trusted God and followed Jesus who saved us at the cross from the, from the great sin debt that we owe and we could not pay. We cannot. There's no way we can pay it. But it's paid through the blood of Jesus Christ. But because of his great love and because we trusted and believe, he gave us eternal life in his presence. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful again, Lord, that you have given us eternal life. We're so thankful, Lord, that you have opened our eyes to the importance of repentance in our life, Lord. And you have opened our eyes of the importance of the message that we need to share with the, the world, Lord. The gospel message that tells the world that they need to repent. That we all need to repent and turn to God. And turn to his righteousness. Turn to Jesus Christ, who laid his life down at the cross willingly at the cross and died for us and rose again on the third day. We serve you, our living God, and we're so thankful. In the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, amen.